Amen. If you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 9. As we begin this new year, I wanted to just kind of sow some things into your heart. Maybe this would be something of a new year resolution for you. What I was just kind of thinking even in my own heart, you know, we're going through such a transition time as a church, and as you can imagine, that is certainly affecting my own life in a personal way. And what I've been really, really asking the Lord uh, for is guidance. And Lord, I, you know, uh, this is always true, but so especially now in this season in my life, I really need to be led by the Spirit. I really need you to be guiding me and directing my steps. And so my New Year's resolution, which is, of course, just a continual resolution, is to really be led by the Spirit. And I want to sow some of those things into your heart as well today, that you would, you would consider really making 2015 a year that you are going to be led by the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be leading. He's going to be leading. You're going to be following His lead. And Romans 8, chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The mark or the trait of a child of God is that they are led by the Spirit of God. There is a spiritual dynamic and reality to their life. God is guiding their steps. And as I said, not only is it important for me personally, but I think it's important for all of us, for all of us to be led by the Spirit. And what I thought we'd do today is just do a quick case study of the Apostle Paul. I want to look at his life and see how the Holy Spirit led and guided him, and maybe there are things that we can learn in our desire to be led by his Spirit as well. You're there in Acts chapter 9. Uh, take a look with me in verse 1. And we'll see how Paul originally, he was, he was then called Saul, but he would become the Apostle Paul. But this is the story of his conversion, where he first, first came to Christ. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And he, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 6, when Paul finally, or Saul at this time, finally meets Christ in a personal way, his initial response is the right response. Lord, verse 6, what do you want me to do? If you want to be led by the Spirit of God, I think this is probably the first resolution you need to make. You need to resolve that you're going to have the right posture, the right attitude. Lord, what is it that you want me to do? It's coming to God with a surrendered will. It's not coming to God with an agenda. It's not coming to the Lord with all that I want him to do. 
but rather, Lord, as Paul said, what do you want me to do? Paul had already heard the gospel. You'll remember that he was there when Stephen was stoned. And Stephen gave a beautiful uh, you know, sermon there amongst the leaders. They didn't want to hear it, and they stoned him to death. But he shared the gospel. Paul was there. He was watching over the garments of those that were throwing the stones. He kept the garments safe so that Stephen could be killed before his eyes. It may have been what Jesus meant when he said, Saul, it's hard to kick against the goads. For Saul to have seen that, to see, hear that testimony, to see this young man's faith willing to die for his faith, that must have been stirring in the heart and conscience of the apostle, but he continued his pursuit against Christians. But now that he has met the Christ of whom he has heard the gospel concerning, he at once receives him, as Savior and as Lord. If we're to be led by the Holy Spirit, we must be surrendered to his will. You remember Ahab, the evil king of Israel. Uh, you know, there's a story in the scriptures that tell us that uh, he was getting ready to go out to battle against Syria. And the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, had come down and, and Ahab said, hey, let's join forces and we'll go and fight against the king of Syria. And Jehoshaphat said, well, that's a good idea, but let's inquire of the Lord. Let's be led by the Spirit. And Ahab said, okay, good idea. And he got 400 of his prophets to come and say, yes, go. The Lord is with you. You're going to have great victory. And Jehoshaphat, he was a little skeptical. You know, is there not one prophet that disagrees with all of these 400? And Ahab said, well, there is one, but I... You know, I, I hate to use him because he never tells me what I want to hear. And it says in 1 Kings 22, So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Amiah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. Don't, don't, don't come against a prophet if he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. Of course, the prophet came and said, no, don't go and fight. You're going to be defeated. You're going to be slaughtered out there on the battlefield. And of course, Ahab said to Joseph, didn't I tell you this guy was kind of a downer? He doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Well, Ahab blazed through the warning, and of course, he died on the battlefield in that very battle. And so this whole idea of being led by the Spirit, it requires a heart that is predisposed to following the Spirit. You must come to God with a heart that is willing to yield to whatever His leading will be. Don't come with an agenda. Don't come to hear from God what you already want Him to say, as Ahab did. Oh, you'll find someone to tell you what you want to hear. You'll find verses that seem to line up right behind what you desire. You must be sincere and that's really, I think, maybe the first place to be led by the Spirit is checking your own heart and letting the Lord guide you and lead you. We advance the story, and uh, there, pick it up now in verse 10, Paul is led blind after he sees the Lord. He, he, he's not able to see physically with his eyes, and so they have to lead him into Damascus. And pick it up with me in verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. 
And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here, am, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, he has, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Certainly the right posture, that surrendered will, but resolution number two, we need to also embrace the right practice. What we see here is Paul, immediately after his conversion, immediately after surrendering, Lord, what would you have me to do? He is now involved in prayer. We see that in, in verse 11, Ananias, go to this man, behold, he is praying. Prayer is one of those places where the Holy Spirit is able to speak to us. We see that as Paul is praying, God is working in a completely different place, in a different man, a child of God named Ananias, to come and pray for Paul. Paul's prayer is actually producing you know, the Spirit's moving, not only in his own heart, not only speaking to him, but speaking to others to come and speak to him. So much can take place if we pray. So much of the Holy Spirit uh, is available to us when we pray. If we don't pray, if we don't quiet our heart, if we don't spend that time in His presence, then we miss the opportunity to be led by His Spirit. Prayer, is, it's, a, it's a key part of a, of a personal devotion life. And I, I think, again, if we're going to be led by the Spirit, I want to be led by the Spirit this year, I'm going to make it a, a personal devotion a, a resolution to, be, to make this my practice. Now, truthfully, this is my practice. But, you know, I need to be even more diligent in this practice, to set that time aside to pray. Jesus would teach his disciples to pray daily, right? Give us this day, our daily bread. Jesus assumed that we would be praying every day. Paul would go on to say, pray without ceasing, pray always. In everything, prayer is to be a part of the believer's life. In Jesus, uh, the Lord's Prayer, where he teaches his disciples, he gives them a model for prayer. It, it includes worship. It includes inviting his will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It includes our petition and request and dependence upon him. It includes our confession and receiving of forgiveness and our acknowledging our willingness to forgive others. It is this complete communion with God that is discovered in prayer. And all of these prayer elements are essential. Prayer puts you into his presence. It aligns your thoughts, your mind, your priorities. It prepares your heart to hear from the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus would often say, let him who has ears hear. It's not that God is not speaking. It's not that God does not want to speak. Oftentimes, we're not listening. 
or we're not quiet enough, we're distracted, we're too busy, where's the Lord, how come he isn't leading me? You need to spend some time with him. You need to stop trying to manage it all on your own and quiet your heart in prayer. Look on there with me, verse 17, Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. The Lord meets the Apostle Paul in prayer. This answer comes as Paul is praying. This is where Ananias would come and pray for him. This is where he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This would become a spiritual awakening. As scales fell from his natural eyes, so his spiritual eyes would be opened up. These things are discovered in prayer. These things come as a, as, at a part of a devotion life that includes this time of worship and praise and petition and just soaking in the presence of God in your life. Something else that should be a part of your practice. Of course, and a part of your devotion life, I would say part two of this proper practice would be, of course, reading and studying the Word of God. You know, maybe 2015 is just a year of coming back to the basics. God has not uh, shrouded himself in secrecy. God wants to speak to his people. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide your steps. But God would invite you to to come to him in prayer, to, to be with him in his word, to allow his thoughts to become yours, to allow your mind to be renewed by his word. Acts chapter 26, maybe you could turn there with me. You're in Acts, we'll be moving around there in the book of Acts. We're doing a case study on Paul. In Acts chapter 26, just a couple of excerpts that I have for you, but to give you an understanding of, of the kind of appetite Paul had for the Word of God. He's been converted. We know he's a man of prayer, but he was also a man of study. And as he's giving a defense, he's in prison. No surprise, Paul would end up there. Uh, and he's defending his faith. In a very classic passage in Acts 26, he's talking to King Agrippa, and Festus, uh, another Roman ruler, is there. He's a prisoner, and they've said, okay, come present your case to us, because we know that you're wanting to go before Rome to have this matter settled. And so he begins to testify and begins to talk about how the Lord you know, opened his eyes. He, he, he gives the account of Acts chapter 9, how Jesus appeared to him, and how he has been studying and found out the things that were said of Christ all through the Scriptures. Look in verse 22, Paul giving his defense. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. Paul anchored his ministry in the prophets and the law of Moses. Paul was a student of the word. Paul did not go out and declare a new message. Paul went out and declared the message that was always there. 
It had been shrouded in mystery, but now God had opened Paul's eyes to see the beauty of the gospel that was included all through the prophets and Moses. And then verse 24, Festus responds to all of this. He's, and now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Festus had known that Paul was there in prison. Festus was the, was the ruler of that particular spot. And no doubt, Paul was studying. He was in prison. What else are you going to do? He's reading the word. He's studying. And Festus says, you know, Paul, you've just spent too much time studying. You're just, you're, you're gone crazy. You think all of this, you know, this, this gospel, you're willing to give your life for it. You're, you're taking your case to Rome. I mean, now you're defending yourself. The point I'm making is that Paul, even amongst the Roman rulers, was known to be a man of great study, a man who spent time in the Word of God. Listen, you've got to read your Bibles. You've got to spend some time in the mind of God. Do you want to be led by His Spirit? You need to read what His Spirit has inspired. This is where you glean how God thinks, how God you know, reacts to man, how God reaches to us in love, the gospel, all that we know about, about the Lord is revealed to us from His Word. There is general things that we can know via the creation and the things that we see, but this revelation of the gospel, this personal walk with him is discovered through the revelation that he has given to us in the scripture. Paul would instruct Timothy to study and accurately divide the word of truth. Don't turn, let me quickly just quote to you some of his exhortations to, to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word. If you desire to be led by his spirit, you will find that he is able to speak to you right out of the page. How often in my own time of devotion, God has spoken, lifted right off the page into my heart. The very thing I needed to hear, the very thought that I, I needed in terms of direction and counsel and guidance. So much of it comes to me through the scripture. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we're going to be led by the spirit, we're going to have to resolve to have the right practice in our life, a devotion life that includes prayer and time in the Word. Turn now with me to Acts chapter 13. The third resolution that you should make this year, if you desire to be led by the Holy Spirit, is to align your life with the right people. Amen. <clears throat> The right posture, the right practice, the right people. I hope you're impressed when I put all these together with the letter P. I do this so you'll hopefully help you remember. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Now, uh, Paul is now, of course, converted. He's, uh, now, by now, he's actually serving as one of the leaders in a local church in the city of Antioch. We're much along now in his ministry, and he's, he's serving there, and 
they're having a time as a church, a time of prayer, a time of worship. And look at now in verse 1. <clears throat> now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Of course, we know him to be Paul. And verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Paul begins his first missionary journey, one of many to follow, by being sent out by this group of believers at the church in Antioch. Paul was a guy that was in church. He ministered and, and taught in this church. They knew him. There were other leaders there that knew him and Barnabas. He was a known quantity amongst the, the people of God because he fellowshiped there. His life was connected there. And it's in this setting that the Holy Spirit said, set him apart for the work that I've called him. It, it says that that they were ministering to the Lord. My, my sense is that it was an attitude of worship and prayer. They were fasting. It was a time of waiting on God. And it seems, it doesn't, we don't, we, the scripture doesn't tell us exactly how this word was communicated, but most likely in the context, because it tells us that there were men there that were known to be prophetically gifted, it's most likely that someone gave a gift, of, uh, a word of prophecy. I feel like the Lord's saying this. Saul, you and Barnabas, you guys need to go out on this mission trip that God has been speaking to you, the work to which God has already called you. And so the confirmation of what God has for them comes through the local church. They were already there pastoring and helping shepherd the work. They were known by the people. But it says, the Holy Spirit said, set them aside to the work to which I have called them. Again, the Holy Spirit, when he speaks through others into our lives, he, does it, he speaks in a confirming way. Even when Ananias came initially and prayed for Paul, right? Paul had already been told, there's a man named Ananias going to come and pray for you. God speaks into our heart first, and then he confirms those things through the life of good Christian brothers and sisters, the church. Place people that we are connected with. And this seems to be exactly the way the Lord was working here. The Holy Spirit using the climate of the church to confirm those callings he has spoken into the heart. Now I have found this to be exactly how the Lord works in my life as well. I remember when I was first be feeling a sense that God wanted me to maybe step out and pastor a work, to plant a church. Well, my pastor knew that very thing as well. He felt also that the Lord had called me to, to be sent out in time to plant a work. And it was, you know, during uh, a time that I was serving there for eight years at Calvary Chapel La Mirada that he and I, one, brec one breakfast we had, we were praying, and, and he said, you know, Richard, I think it's time. And I said, you know, I think it is too. 
I'm glad you said it because I've been restless. I've been, you know, stirring. And I feel as though I'm not sure what the Lord wants and how, you know, how he's leading me. But I know that he's stirring in me. And, and it was confirmed there through my pastor. And so we began to pray and ask the Lord for direction where we would go, when we would go. It would be months later, but eventually we came to the idea that God was leading us up here in these foothills along the 210. And you know what? When the church was ready, they laid hands on me and my wife on a Sunday night. I'll never forget it. They laid their hands on us. I felt like I was right there in you know, Acts chapter 13. They laid their hands on us, and they prayed over us. And guess what? A, a prophetic word came out of Joshua chapter 1, the very passage that the Lord had already personalized for me in stepping out to do this work. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. And so that confirming word coming through the life of the church, the Holy Spirit using these things to speak. This is exactly what Paul would teach you don't need to turn, but in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says that God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Church fellowship is where the Holy Spirit equips and confirms his leading. You know, I believe that the Lord will speak to you if you are connected to the right people as you align yourself with others that love the Lord, praying people, people that will encourage you and pray for you. I believe the Lord can speak to you in a message. You can come and be sitting in the congregation and God speak to your heart and confirm something. The Lord knows, I don't know, but he knows and, and he speaks right into your heart. This is the way the Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us by bringing us together. And that being aligned with one another, there's fellowship, there's, there's prayer, there's encouragement, there's accountability. You know, not every idea that comes into your head is necessarily from the Lord. It's good to have a, a, a faithful group of brothers and sisters that can, you know, speak honestly into your life. No, Richard, that's not the Lord. That's your own harebrained idea. Don't even think about that. Let's not even pray for that. That's, that's usually my wife speaking. <laughs> and you know, usually she's right. Yeah, you know, you're right. You, know, you think about it, and that's probably not the Lord. That's just me kind of, you know, getting in the way. So the Lord gives protection and, and certain uh, blessing that comes when our life is aligned with the right people. Finally today, resolution number four, you need to be on the right path. You really need to be moving in faith. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we'll finish up here. Picking it up in verse 6. Now let me give you the context. Paul is now out on another missionary journey. Years have gone by since that first trip that sent him out, but he's been planting churches. He's come back and reported, and now he's getting ready to go out again, and they launch out again on another mission trip. This time he brings Silas with him. Timothy has joined him. And picking it up in verse 6, Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, 
but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This may be one of my favorite passages about the Apostle Paul being led by the Spirit, because I can relate to this so well. There seems to be a little trial and error in this path, doesn't it? But he's out on the road. The point is, he's moving. He's out to do what he believes the Lord has called him to do. He's not sitting back at the church in Antioch waiting for God to give him every stop on the journey. Give me a complete roadmap, Lord, where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be, who I'm going to be with, and then I'll go. As soon as you tell me everything I need to know, I'm happy to get out there for you. No, Paul kind of just starts, launches off. God put it in his heart. I want you to go back and visit some of the churches, and then I want you to go further to spread the gospel. Okay, let's go. And they hit the road. And Paul's mind, well, we'll go up north. We haven't been up there before. But somehow the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going up there. Now, again, we don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit, but through prayer, through some uh, you know, combination of the Lord speaking through their group, maybe a word or maybe some door closed, maybe the circumstances just wouldn't allow them to go. For some reason, they weren't able to go. Well, we'll, we'll venture on. Then they thought, well, maybe we'll go up into Bithynia. But again, the Holy Spirit seemed to close that door as well. And so they just kept going. And they moved further uh, west, came to Troas, and then the Holy Spirit gives Paul this vision. He sees this man, it's known as the Macedonian call. That was modern day, what for us is modern day Greece. This was when the gospel would come to Europe. Much of what you and I have as a spiritual foundation was because Paul went to Macedonia, the, the European influence of the gospel into Europe, which of course influences even our, our culture today. God was leading Paul west. He went over, now he went and landed at Philippi, Thessalonica, those churches were planted there in Greece. And God leading him. But I, I like the way the Lord meets, uh, leads him here because he seems to be closing certain doors and opening other doors. And again, I can only say, you know, that seems to be the way the Lord works in my life. I don't always have, the, you know, the full road map ahead of me. I just have a sense that I need to go. I just have a sense that I need to step out in faith and to do this. I just feel like we have to try. I just feel prompted by God that we, we must move. And as we move, God then fills in the blanks. And, oh, let's go over here. Oops, no, Holy Spirit said, no, we're not going there. Sometimes he speaks to your heart, and sometimes he just closes a door. You know, most recently, we've been trying to stay in our campus that we had in Monrovia. Oh, we tried so hard, church. I, we lobbied the city. We did everything we could to buy that property. I thought it was just the perfect spot for us. But the Holy Spirit said, no. Now, I say it's the Holy Spirit because we did all that we could in prayer. We did all that we could practically. We did our best, just as Paul did, to go up into Asia, but the door closed. 
I thought, well, maybe we can at least stay there in the office for a while. Oh, and so we started lobbying for that. And guess what? The Lord said, no, you're out of there. So I'm convinced today that the Holy Spirit has led us out of that place. <laughs> I'm so spiritual. I'm so in tune, right? <laughs> it's trial and error. And, and that's why I draw comfort from this. The Apostle Paul, you know, doors open as you go. And doors close as you go. And I, I think the Lord knows what he's doing. The Lord knows this, that if he gave me the plan beforehand, I would totally mess it up. I'd just be out there trying to make it happen. God gives me what I need. I'm on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> and he's, he knows that he, I can't, he can't give me too much too early. But by the grace of God, we do see his hand leading. And we do see certain doors opening. Maybe doors that I would have never chose. I'm not sure what the Lord has for us as a church. I'm not all sure what he has for me in 2015. But I know he's with me. And I know he's told me to be strong and courageous. And I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to let him close doors. Oh, believe me, I'm pushing. I'm testing every one of them. But when they're closed, they're closed. And when he opens another one, well, Lord, that's not the one I would have walked through. But amen. Here we go. So we're... We're moving into the office there at the Methodist Church. I'll be announcing here, and I hope by next week, we, we may even have an opportunity to have a Wednesday night service there. Can't confirm it yet. These are not places I would have chosen. This is not where I was thinking we were going. But it seems that the Lord has some destiny there, some plan for us. These are the things that have opened up. And I could give you all the details, but trust me, this, this is where we ended up. And I think this is exactly what took place in Paul's life. God gave him the vision. Couldn't God have given him the vision right as he left Antioch, wasting all this time trying to go to Asia and Bithynia? The Lord didn't do that. The Lord speaks as you're moving. You've got to be on the right path. Are you about the kingdom business? Are you in step with what God is doing in the earth today? Paul was out to preach the gospel. As a church, that's our heart, right? We want to preach the gospel. We want to see people come and get saved. We want to teach the word of God. I think that's kingdom business. And I'm confident that God is going to lead us and guide us in that process. It's important to be on the right path. And it seems to me that the Holy Spirit leads those who are about his work. While they were going, maybe you need to take a step of faith today. Maybe you're waiting, but you should be walking. Maybe you need to realign your agenda with his. Maybe you're walking, but you're just not walking in the spirit. You're not about, your, your priorities are self-oriented rather than kingdom-oriented. You want to be led by the spirit? Get into the flow of where the spirit is leading. Get into the river, and you will be taken up in the current. And get in deep. And let the Lord take you where he desires you to be. This is how the Lord has certainly worked in my life. And I pray that he will continue to lead me by his spirit. That's my New Year's resolution. Lord, I want to do whatever I need to do to be led by your spirit. Please lead me. Please guide me. I want to be in step with you. It's not always easy. It's not always clear. But Lord, I'm after that. That's what I want to be about. Lord, protect me from making mistakes because I make them. And you will too. 
Get me back on track, Lord. Keep me in the middle of what you want to accomplish in my life for 2015. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this time and your word today. I thank you for the book of Acts, which gives us just the inside story of how the gospel first went out into the earth through the lives of your apostles and early Christians. And Lord, I think you work the same way today. You want to use men, you want to use women. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. God, let us be messengers, let us be diligent this year to be led by your Spirit. You have divine appointments for us, God. Divine moments that we haven't even foreseen, but you already have them planned and purposed, if we will but be led by your Spirit. Lord, help me. Help me to have the right posture. What do you want me to do? Help me have the right practice, prayer, and devotion in your word. Lord, surround me with the right people, people that are after you, people that love you. And finally, Lord, help me to be on the right path. I need to be about the business of your kingdom. Not only for my own life, Lord, but I pray that for us as a church and each and every heart here today, that this would be a year of great leading by your Spirit. And just as we close here today in prayer and song of worship, I do want to give opportunity anyone here today, maybe you need to respond to the Lord. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you right now. And maybe you're like the Apostle Paul. Maybe the first step for you is to just come to Jesus. It's hard to kick against the goads. It's hard to kick against those promptings of God trying to stir your heart to faith. Maybe you've never received Christ today, but the Lord is speaking to you and you see him clearly and and Jesus is saying, just as he did to Paul, why are you resisting me? Why are you running from me? Why are you hardening your heart against me? And he loves you and he wants to save you. And I would encourage you today, maybe this is the first step for you, is just to surrender and say, Lord, it is you I need. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and become the Lord of my life. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you know the Lord, but truthfully, you're not walking with Him. You're not being led by His Spirit. You're off on your own agenda. And God is speaking to you and He's saying, you know, I want to lead you. I've got plan and purpose for you, but you need to get in step with me. I'm not coming your way. You need now to come to mine. I've already come to you. I sent my son. I paid the price at the cross. I saved you, not for your agenda, but that you might come to mine, which is better, which is far greater than anything you could even ask or think. And maybe you need to just rededicate, recommit your life to him. So as we close, if you're here today and you need to receive Christ for the very first time, or you want to rededicate, recommit your life to him, would you just raise your hand here today? Let me see you and I'll pray for you. Hands over here, a number of hands on my left. Any others? Here on the center section, God bless you. Anyone else, just before I pray, the Lord's speaking to you. You want to start this year by really giving your life completely to Him. We're going to pray. Anyone else? God bless you up front. 
And so, Lord, I do thank you for these hearts today. And, Lord, I thank you for the gift of your Son who came to the cross to pay the price for my sin. And with these hands and hearts, Lord, we would ask, God, forgive us. Not because we deserve it, but because you love us. And because Jesus died on the cross for us and rose again, giving us victory and hope over sin, death, and the grave. And so, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And now, Lord, help me to be led by your Spirit. Begin to direct my life, guide my path. I want to live for you now. I want you to be the Lord. I want, as Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? We surrender these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.